0: Episode 40 of The Paul George Show welcomes Brad Hahn.
1: Parents have a right to to teach their children and instruct their children accordingly. And so when government gets big, when government gets further away from the teaching of God, um, the government tries to replace God and tries to take over um, decisions by parents. The
0: Paul George Show! Welcome to The Paul George Show. This week, Brad Hahn, The Rights of Parents, a new underrated, overrated segment, and Paul's criminal history in Washington, D.C. And now, from Christ our King Studios in Lafayette, Louisiana, the underrated
2: Paul George. Welcome to The Paul George Show. Great to be with you today in studio. With Adam Conk, How here are you? we are. Good. Yeah. How are you, sir? I'm good, man. I'm good. We're kind of crossing paths. Been in and out. What you mean? You know, I've been flying here and there. Yeah, you've been all over the place. And then, and then a you, traveling, preacher man. You and I get together. Yeah. And then here you are.
0: We're together again. Yeah. So good to be with you, Paul.
2: Yeah, absolutely,
0: man. So uh, you've been doing well. I've been doing really well. It's summertime, and it's hot.
2: Yeah. So we stay inside a lot. With the kids, yeah, which I'm excited. I'm going out to California, Northern California, to the Bay Area, San Francisco. Hey, uh, not for vacation, but uh, for work. to speak out there. But anyway, I'm actually excited for like a four day, uh, preve of weather. Yes, you know what I'm saying. Oh yeah, because yeah. it's it's hot. Yeah.
0: Now it is hot in California, isn't it? I mean.
2: Yeah. Well, there's, there's a certain places kind of where here. it's like, you know. Over 100 degrees, but that's more like the desert country or the inland. This is on the coast. Nice. The weather's perfect. Beautiful. You
0: got to go swimming?
2: No. No. You sure? I'm going to swim with the sharks. Are there sharks? I don't know.
0: Oh, gosh. Are you afraid of sharks? I mean, like any rational human being. Oh. I'd rather not swim with them. I would swim with knives or something. (laughs) I don't know. Like, I just have this image. Really? <laughs> yeah. Just out on the beach with the family and you got your knives. Yeah, a
2: bathing suit and a <laughs> knife strapped around my waist.
0: What are you, Crocodile done to you? Something like
2: that. Yeah. Oh, man. Something like that. All right. So anyway, have you seen this?
0: What did you say? That is so interesting.
2: Oh, for real though? Yeah. So for real. Now, this has nothing to do with anything, but it has something to do with something that I enjoy. So I'm watching this sports video mm-hmm. and there's, you know, well-known baseball player, Carlos Carlos Beltran, who's been playing for years, but anyway, um, they did a a mock funeral for his glove. Why? So all the players got together and they got an the outfield. This wasn't during a game, obviously, and they buried his glove. It, I know you're looking at me like, why? why? Is he okay. retiring or something? Well, so he's retiring his glove because he's now a DH. He's gotten older, so he, oh. he just hits. And he's actually going on a hitting and streak, and he hasn't played in the field. So they're basically like, it's like this superstition of like, let's just get rid of your glove. <laughs> you're just going to hit. So they actually got together and had like this funeral ceremony in Outfield. Had this RIP thing with That's his beautiful. glove. It's hysterical. <laughs> so if there's anything that you could just like have a funeral for, get rid of, what would you do? Like that represents me? Represents you or something in your life. Like that old van you're driving. I could think let's do a funeral for that thing.
0: Yeah, we'd have to have a big hole for yeah. a Dodge Caravan, but uh <laughs> yeah, I mean those things last forever, I guess, and I'm testing that theory.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I would I would uh get rid of that. What about you? It could be something like you you just want to keep going forever, like a memory or something oh. in the past or anyway, it's symbolic, I know, and it's kind of baseball players are a little bit superstitious. It's like, okay, we're doing this and this is going to keep you on your hitting streak. You know, so we're not superstitious. We don't believe in that. But I think it's just funny.
0: That is funny. You probably have a few things in your life that you would bury.
2: Yeah. 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 I would, we have this old basketball goal that keeps following us everywhere we <laughs> move. <laughs> like literally. And it's fallen so many times that the, the, uh, the rim is bent, is yeah. oval. So you have to oval. be really good to make the shot. Oval. But it, it literally, like, the next time we move, this thing follows me. I might have a heart attack. <laughs> so I'm I thinking, like, let's bury the basketball goal. It's just time to get rid of it.
0: Again, that would have to be a deep hole for a bat. I guess if you bury it the long way, it doesn't have to be. If you, you bury it, like, 10 foot deep, that'd be
2: yeah, 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 be tough. yeah. And there's also, you know, old ways of living I just want to bury. Yes. You know? Yes. Like, I have a goal to be more joyful. You know, and, Amen. and uh, not, you know, to like, you know, be, you know, downcast. Like, I just want to bury my downcastedness. Bury
0: the sadness.
2: Yeah. Not that, not that like true sadness, but like, like a pattern of like not being joyful, mm. grateful. Bury that. Bury it. Put it down. Bury the hatchet. All right. <laughs> All right. So, anyway, we're going to play this, uh, this new game called uh, Underrated Overrated.
0: Yeah, this is exciting. Yeah. It was a listener's idea. And we're we're happy to do it. Yep. But I'm gonna give you a list of five things that some people love and some people don't.
2: And I don't know what they are.
0: And you get to no, you don't know what they are. Okay. And you get to take a position on whether it should be loved, as in it's underrated. Okay. Or it shouldn't. Okay. It's overrated. All right. And then you can explain why in your depth of wisdom. Yep. Sound good?
2: Sounds great. All right. Number one. Okay. Gift cards. Gift cards. My opinion. Yeah. I think, That's why we're here. I think they're 100% totally underrated. You love them, huh? I love a gift card, particularly like to a restaurant. So it's like, this is free money for me to go out <laughs> to eat and take my wife or my family. I think they're totally underrated. And I think people would say they're overrated because it's like, oh, it doesn't have much meaning. you know. But it's like, well, what do you do? Then go out and buy something that somebody doesn't want because you're trying to have more meaning for it, like a nice sweater or some socks or You know, some flowers. When it's like the gift card is like it's like cash, but it's not cash, but it is. It's not as impersonal as cash, right?
0: Slightly personal.
2: But I think cash is underrated too.
0: You love cash, huh?
2: Cash money, like right (laughs) in the hand. So I think cash is underrated.
0: All right. Well, thanks. Number two, cologne.
2: Oh, overrated. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Particularly for men. I mean, what's like you splash this on, you walk through a room and you just smell it up, like what? So I think it's overrated. It seems like more
0: people have cologne allergies these days, too. You ever notice this? Like people coughing, <laughs> is somebody wearing cologne.
2: Yeah, I know people, you know, when we do adoration, there's incense, you know, or mass, People come out coughing because they have an incense allergy. I don't know what it is about all the allergies, but mm. anyway. I think incense is underrated. I smoke it up. Smoke it up. Smoke it up.
0: Smoke it up. All right, uh, three. Pilgrimages. Pilgrimages.
2: Wow, it's
0: a it's a Catholic trend right now. People hmm. are going on pilgrimage.
2: Hmm. That's a good one. That's mm-hmm. a good one. Okay, I, underrated. Okay, i i think I think it's underrated because I think once you go on the pilgrimage, I've never heard someone go on a pilgrimage and then come back and say that wasn't worth it. Not once. Not once. Really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, now it depends on what the pilgrimage is. So you're going on a pilgrimage to like Rome or the Holy Land go if you're going on a pilgrimage to like you know the woods yeah like the, it's something that doesn't have meaning because pilgrimages usually are they're not as comfortable they're a little, it's a little bit more of a journey mm. yeah
0: so you can't go out on a pilgrimage in a luxury hotel
2: i'd like that though <laughs> i would like a pilgrimage in a nice hotel with but, gift cards but you've done and cash in hand
0: <laughs> but you've done the tough journey thing before you've earned your keep
2: I've done one of the toughest pilgrimages ever, and after the trip, and now looking back, I say it was one of the best trips ever. During the trip, I wanted to leave. Where was
0: this? You got to tell us.
2: Well, it was a trip to uh, World Youth Day in Rome. I brought a whole bunch of kids, and it was just a really tough trip. Dang. Yeah.
0: All right, number four, fidget spinners.
2: (laughs) Fidget spinners. Dude, are you- Didn't
0: see that one coming.
2: (laughs) Are you a fan of those?
0: Honestly, I've held one one time. And
2: okay, if you don't know what a fidget spinner is, people who are listening, it's just little things that I don't know. It's like a toy that they made that you could just spin in your hand. All these kids are running around with them. Yeah, they're one hundred percent. They use it completely for and totally overrated. I think I think it's just like adding to the the culture of things in our hands, phones, whatever. We're all ADD. You know, everybody has a thing. And it's just spinning around. They're they're dropping them on the floor. Here's the thing: when I was a kid, all right, we didn't have fidget spinners, it and I'm sticks. no lie. I'm not even joking. <laughs> we people brought to school throwing stars. Yeah, you know what that is? Oh yeah, like ninja throwing stars.
0: Yeah, my kids make them out of paper.
2: Okay, but these were metal. Wait, these were real, real throwing
0: stars. Yes. Okay, that now you're into the dangerous.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like that was the original fidget. Did spinner. you go
0: to school at a prison?
2: No. Okay. No. Back then, they didn't check your backpacks. Nobody was doing anything. It was just like, yeah, I brought a throwing star. Let's throw this into a tree or whatever. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So now we have these safe little fidget spinners. Overrated.
0: All right. And number five, health food.
2: Ooh. Oh, you're throwing me in the middle. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This
0: is a controversial segment.
2: Yeah. Well, it depends on health food, like organic or tofu. I I don't really know. I'm going to flip the script on you. (gasps) Eating healthy is underrated. Okay. Health food is overrated. I think that they're packaging health foods that are, I'm not going to say all the time, so I don't know everything, but I think they're packaging health foods with certain labels that aren't necessarily super great for you, but they're labeled as, you know, organic or whatever. And, you know, you could get the regular broccoli and it's just as good, just as healthy. I'm excited about the show. I want to remind people they can, you know, if they don't listen to the show live or on air, they can get on the podcast. You can follow, follow us on Twitter at Paul George. I, I, not the basketball player, Paul George. Not, not him. But, you can
0: follow him, but it's different.
2: Right, right. But I'm, I'm the OPG. Mm. You know what that means? The, the original. original
0: Paul Gangster. Yeah, George. George.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's me. So anyway, uh, Great show. This is definitely an underrated show. Very underrated. Very underrated. So, Paul George Show will be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity Healthcare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show, Paul George here uh great to be with you today i have on the line all the way from uh washington dc dr brad hahn how are you
1: doing great paul thank you how are you doing
2: i'm doing good man so you're phoenix arizona but you're in washington dc
1: yeah yeah we have to uh you know as faithful catholics we have to try to keep fighting for for a conscious protection and that's what we're we're here in dc doing today and yesterday we had a bunch of meetings and uh it's all surrounding the uh, the repeal and replacement Affordable Care Act, so we're trying to get um, Solidarity Health Share's position in there on uh, on protecting our conscience, but also give us the right to uh, to conti- continue sharing our, one another's medical expenses. So we're here for the good fights, I hope.
2: Well, that's great. You guys are lobbying out there, building relationships. I'm talking to Brad Hahn, SolidarityHealthShare.org. Um, so you're in D.C. I thought you were in Phoenix, so this is fun. You're actually on East Coast time and not on Phoenix time. Um, so anyway, I have been keeping up with this, with this case, Brad. I'm really wanting to get your insight on this. This is right in your lane, your wheelhouse. It's the Charlie guard case. It's this kid, uh, for yeah. those, those people who don't know about the case, it's this young child, Charlie guard in London who, um, is on life support basically, and is in the hospital. And what's happening here is the hospital is making the decisions for the kid instead of the parents making the decision for the kid. And it, it's, it's out there. It's, it's very controversial in a sense of culturally. I don't think for us as Catholics and believers, there's not much controversy. We see it a certain way. Uh, but I wanted to get your insight on this case, what you know about it, and w- where you feel like our rights are, are not being upheld, particularly with this case.
1: Right. Well, th- this is a clear case of conscience, in my opinion. And in this, um, very similar things are happening in the United States, which we'll talk about at the end of this. But, um, but kind of the big picture, uh, what the Church teaches us, is that we we have a, a right you know, to, uh, to be a, in charge of our own medical care and see what's best for me and my family. Mm-hmm. And what's been a really gift from the Church is a bioethical teaching of how do we approach a decision like the Charlie Gard case. And so here's how a, a Catholic would approach it. You'd have to look at the treatment. You know, first you look at the condition, and then you look at the treatment, possible treatment options for them. And when you look at the treatment option, you kind of determine whether the treatment's going to be deemed, you know, proportionate or disproportionate, or sometimes people use the terms ordinary and extraordinary terms. And so uh, the teaching, the truth says, if we deem that this treatment is is proportionate, you know, or ordinary, we're morally uh, obligated to receive that treatment. If it's deemed to be disproportionate or extraordinary, as some people say, um, we don't have to take the treatment. We're not morally obligated to receive the treatment, but we still could if we want to. And this is a classic case like this. You know, There's been reports on the, on the baby that there's about a 10% you know, chance of success rate. know, that's pretty kind of a low success rate you know, right. for, for medical procedures. And so that clearly would probably be on the extraordinary side. But then you have to look at who's making that decision. You know, since the baby's not competent to make a decision like that, it falls on the on the guardians or the parents. So it's up to the parents to determine what treatment options they want to do for their child. And that's why uh, the state shouldn't be telling us what to do. The federal government should be telling us what to do. But let's be faithful to the teaching of Jesus Christ and his church and approach these decisions this way. And so that's where the rub is as, as a Catholic is— uh, uh, we have the autonomy to make those decisions on our own, should, and we should be free from the government to make those decisions.
2: Yeah, it seems to me, at least in, in my knowledge of reading up on the case, and I'm certainly not an expert uh, in this area, but uh, is that it seems that the, the decision-making process is being taken out of the hands of the parents, and either the government or, and or the hospital is sort of the leader in the decision-making process for this child. Is that how you're seeing this unfold?
1: Yeah, that's exactly how it's unfolding, Paul. And and you have to look at it too. That's what governments do, you know. And I'm giving an example is in in the in Europe, some, some countries are ruling now that it's um, that uh, the parent does not have a right to homeschool their kid, you know. And that's what's a blessing about the United States is we have a Supreme Court case that's nine nothing Supreme Court case that basically says parents have a right to to teach their children and instruct their children accordingly. And so when government gets big, when government gets further away from the teaching of God, um, the government tries to replace God and tries to take over um, decisions by parents. And uh, you can take it to the extreme, if you want to call it like a, you know, what happened in you know Germany with fascism there is the first thing they did is close down the, the Catholic schools so the parents couldn't properly catechize their kids. Hmm. So, you know, it kind of, you can kind of see where this is going. Um, and, and it's the it's fundamental of, um, you know, Freedom of a religion case. That's how I would look
2: at it. So let me take this case like to the extreme in a sense of uh, the doc Say that there's uh, at what point do the parents? You know the doctors or whatever have to approach the parents and say look There's no chance of survival and the parents have to just let go uh, What I'm hearing in this case is that there's still a chance there and the parents want to Make a decision to have other treatments to see if the child Charlie will survive, right?
1: Right, exactly. Yeah, and so that still should be the parent's uh, decision. It shouldn't be the court's.
2: Right, and they're actually wanting to uh, even look at bringing Charlie to the U.S. to have some treatments here. Uh, the hospitals aren't letting, uh, releasing Charlie, at uh, in, in least what I'm hearing, uh, to come to the U.S. So th- there's this battle there that they don't even have the right to say where he can get treatment.
1: Yeah, exactly. And a lot of people I've been seeing commentators saying, well, this doesn't happen in America, in the United States, and I, I'm here to tell you, Paul, this does happen in the United States.
2: Absolutely. All you have to
1: do is go look. All you have to do is go look at the state of Texas, and they have a, a what they call a 10-day futile care statute, where if the doctor, or the hospital determines that the care, the treatment, the patient is receiving is futile or futile, um, they can the, the hospital can deny care, and so then basically say, family, you got 10 days to figure out what you want to do with your with your kid, your loved one, um, and otherwise at 10 days, we're removing all treatment, which treat medical treatment in, in a lot of cases in Texas includes artificially administered food or fluids. So they're euthanizing these, these people under that 10-day fetal care statute. So we're getting very close to the, you know the, that baby Charlie issues in the United States. We live them every day.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> and I know that's what you guys are fighting for out there. I'm talking to Brad Hahn, Solidarity HealthShare. Uh, and we're talking about these issues that, you know, they're close to me, and I think they're close to a lot of people who are Christian and Catholic. A lot of us don't fully know how to engage in, in these discussions, but we're passionate about it, you know, and I read up about it, and right. certainly not in my wheelhouse like it is for you. So thanks for coming on talking about You know, it's interesting to me, and I heard someone, uh, I read someone, you know, tweeting about the Charlie Guard case and said this. It says basically, you know, and I'm summarizing, is that, you know, uh, the, before uh, the child is born, the parent has all the right over the child to kill it uh, or keep it, right? Yeah. Uh, and the, but exactly. af- after the child's born, uh, the parent doesn't have all the rights uh, anymore. Th- this is yeah. crazy to me. Yeah, and
1: it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's irrational, and that's why if you you look at things, you know, that's a, you know the church teaches that's a that's a non non contradiction. But it, this is a huge contradiction for us. So we have to be faithful to that doctrine. But if you look at it, is, um, that's where a lot of my fears come in, not fears, but concerns, um, where we go when we go to socialized medicine. Because I'm, you, know, you read cases out of Oregon where they're denying you know, um, care for a, an elderly person who has cancer, but they're offering to provide for a pill you know, for them to euthanize themselves. You know? And so as we take this, um, I'm a firm believer in that, and who controls the payment of medical expenses in our country controls the morals and the ethics, hmm. okay? okay? And so who's controlling the payment of medical expenses in our country right now? The federal government and insurance companies. And so they're controlling our morals and ethics. And they, they usually are not consistent with the teaching of the Catholic Church. So that's why, as Catholics, we need to take back the healthcare system again and make it Catholic. Because, you know, we founded the the healthcare system in this country. You know, all the you know the sisters and the nuns that came over and set up hospitals and clinics and everything to take care of everybody. You know, we have to take that back. And that's what we're trying to do at Solidarity, is give Catholics a chance and opening to, to reclaim their religious liberty and what they pay for in health care, not to violate their conscience, but also to choose the doctor they want to, to restore that, that patient-doctor relationship where we're making those decisions, not a federal government or an insurance company. So we have to control the payer system and we have to control the ethics in, regarding health care.
2: Yeah, so, so if Charlie was here in the United States and he, what would be their options?
1: Uh, they would, uh, well, I, I know the first option I would have if I was in that situation, if I was in the United States, I would pick up the phone and call a great organization like uh, Alliance Defending Freedom, you know, and get attorneys involved right away. And that's, you know, we have, The United States have 75% of the world's lawyers, which is a good thing and a bad thing (laughs) if you look at it. But, yeah, but um, that's the first line of defense. And, you know, I'm an Adelaide attorney with the Alliance Defending Freedom, and so I go out on cases, on end-of-life cases around the Phoenix area to help try to preserve life. And that's what we need to do here if if maybe Charlie was here or anybody else who's trying to fight for the constitutional right to exercise their religious liberty, to exercise and follow being faithful to their conscience. You know, and that's unfortunately, um, you know, we may not see oppression in this country for a while, you know, with violence and against the citizenships, but um, I think the laws, you're going to start to see becoming more and more oppressive as we become more of a a culture of death and not a culture of life regarding our government.
2: Yeah, no, that's fascinating. Talking to Brad Hahn, Solidarity HealthShare. We're going to come back. I got some more questions about this issue and a few other things. We'll be right back. Paul George Yeah. Welcome back to the show Paul George here great to be with you today have Brad Hahn solidarity health share on Brad what's going on in DC
1: oh uh, DC it's um, it's absolute chaos here when it, <laughs> it when if we're talking about the repeal and replace of the Affordable Care Act so right. um, it's it's fascinating to me you know the Republicans are fighting to try to repeal this and even the latest bill that was released yesterday on a total repeal isn't a repeal Somebody basically says, let's keep the law of the land you know the individual mandate which forces all individuals to carry health insurance let's keep the employer mandate where the employer mandate you know makes the employers over 50 employees to pay for insurance let's keep that the law of the land but let's just reduce the fine down to zero and so that's what that's what repeal is looking like in washington dc you know in my world it's like that's not repeal that's just reducing the fine to zero we're still violating the law if we don't follow it and then who's going to say that the next congress can't come in and just increase the fine again through a tax bill you know um so to me it's um, it's it's sad to see this that they um they're they're basically screwing around with our with our our finances here paul you know because as the republicans and trump can't get themselves together for true health care reform in this country it's costing people like you and me a tremendous amount of money every year, hmm. you know, in increased medical expenses. So yeah. here,
2: here's a here's a question that I have for you. Uh, I have a couple of questions right. that that I want to get into here. Uh, f- first of all, just going back to the Charlie Gard case. Okay, so so for yeah. for me, uh, if I was you know thinking about someone in my family and I and I was the decision maker uh, in in a situation like this. What steps should I make to make sure that I have the rights to make the decision I need to make for this person who's ill or dying or, or might survive?
1: Yeah, well, in the United States, it's, it's pretty clear that if the if the person's under eighteen, you know, the parents have the, the the rights to to exercise to make those medical decisions on behalf of the behalf of the child. But once you become eighteen, and so and classic example I see a lot in my estate planning law practice is, um, you know, mom and dad go to the hospital, you know, and how do we protect their rights in the hospital to make sure they get uh, reasonable treatment, you know, and to make sure they're not euthanized and, or, or such. And that's when it's critical to get some legal documents in place, like a health care power of attorney or a health proxy. So if you cannot make those medical decisions, you have somebody in line, you know, to make those decisions. Okay. And so that's the first step. Okay. Yeah.
2: All right, and and yeah. and then also, you know, is not assuming that the information that the doctor is giving you or the hospital is giving you is all the information in a sense of, do you have the right to ask for other alternatives for, you know, better medicine or better surgeries or, you know, things like that besides what they're offering yeah. you?
1: Yeah, exactly. And so that's kind of the, the, the first step is the legal side. Okay. The second step is who's who's going to be making those decisions for you who you're pointing appointing the, as the agent. And I say that that person must be a bulldog. <laughs> they need to come in and do exactly what they do. They need to get in the doctor's business and say, try to find everything you can uh, about, about what's going on. And I'll give you a classic example of this. Is, um, my wife, Julie, went in with an appendix attack, and, and, I, and I walked in the hospital, and the, the surgeon said, uh, all right, Brad, Julie, what do you want to do here? The MRI is inconclusive. I don't know if it's an appendix problem or not. Should we do surgery? Yes or no? And I'm like going, how do we make this decision, doc? Right. Well, you just tell me yes or no. I said, no. How do I make this decision? Well, oh, I can't tell you how to make this decision. I said, I need more information to make a, a well-informed decision here. And I basically dismissed the surgeon and I called a priest friend of mine who's a doctor. And I said, father, how do I make this decision? He said, it's very easy, my son. Go, are you with Julie right now? Go poker in the appendix. And if she screams, it's infected, remove it. <laughs> and so I went over to Julie, poked her in the appendix. She was about ready to get me because of the pain. And then I looked to the surgeon. I said, remove it. <laughs> and then the surgeon said it was the best, best decision we could make. But that's a classic example, the absence of information to make a well-informed decision. Hmm. And so we may have to bring in outside sources you know, to ask those questions. And that's what we're attempting to do at Solidarity HealthShare for okay. our membership. Okay. Is if you if you get into a situation like this, give us a call. We'll assign an advocate to you to help you navigate and start making answers and asking some of those difficult questions to get some answers to
2: them. Gotcha. All right. So here's the next question. Yeah. So we. So we. Have to, yeah. Yeah. So
1: yeah. we have, we have to empower. We have to empower the patients. That to make good decisions.
2: Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna flip the script a little bit. Uh, you know, we're on the same topic, but here's a question I, I get so often from from friends and from people, uh, lots of Catholics who believe, uh, and think, uh, just from their own information that, that governmental, health healthcare and free healthcare should be available to any and everyone. Um, you know, because it's, it's our right to have it and that, you know, everyone should have it and, you know, we deserve it and, you know, whatever. And you know, I, I don't always know what to say in in this situation because I I I want everyone to be to have healthcare too. You know, and I think we all desire that. So what right. what what does the church say about that? Like, what does the church say about us having health care?
1: Yeah, well, the uh, some of the the bishops' conference here in the United States have put out some good uh, press releases and some good articles, and basically declaring. Um, it's a right for people to have health care in this country. Right. You know, and I think that's a little different than the right to have health insurance.
2: You okay. Know? And okay. So
1: if we, could make, if we could make that distinction a little bit.
2: Yeah. Um, Can and, you do that for me? So, uh,
1: yeah. And so, kind of the big picture is, is everybody has access to health care in this country. Okay. So, if you get sick and you go to the emergency room, there's federal laws there that protect you. They cannot deny care based on your inability to pay. That's okay. number one. So, everybody has access to health care here. It may not be the best, um, most economical way to do it, to do emergency room care and such, but it's available to you. So that's the, the issue. And so now with health insurance, what's the best way to approach that? And I like to approach the, the idea of how we pay for medical expenses, is if we use the traditional insurance model, in and of itself, um, that can violate the teaching of the church. And I'll give you some examples of that, because uh, it's an um, amoral insurance company, or not grounded in the ethics of the church— they're making decisions on our behalf that are not faithful to the church. Uh, uh, that's that's problematic to me, and so that's one issue. The other issue is is when um, an insurance company or a government is paying for medical uh, the medical care, um, they um, the, the the consumer has no idea what health care costs in this country, and so putting that third party between them, um, it it kind of confuses the issue where we're not the doctor and the patient are not, no longer making decisions, but the government or the or the insurance company is, and that's a clear violation of the principle of subsidiarity under social teaching. Okay. So the principle of subsidiarity says that, um, economical societal issues um, should be solved at the lowest common level, mm. uh, by those that are most infected, affected by the problem. So gotcha. where is in the healthcare system, where are we, you know, is, um, it's, the decision should be between me and my doctor, On the care that we need to go, and the the procedures we need to go, the federal government or uh, bureaucracy should not be dictating that to us.
2: So, so where does it it gets? It seems to me where it gets complicated is cost. Where, so you know, say I'm I'm working with a young adult who's like I need I need I need health care. You know, my company doesn't provide where I work, and I can't afford the health care. It seems to me that the conversation, at least on my end, gets bogged up when it comes down to the money piece. Do you find that? And where where do people go with that issue?
1: Yeah, you're exactly right. And the reason it gets so expensive is because because the government's involved now. I mean, look, since the Affordable Care Act was passed in the state of Arizona, the Affordable Care Act plans, the premiums have increased over 113%. Wow. Okay. So now if you increase your medical insurance um, payments for a family by 113 114%, and then you have a deductible of six dollars to $8,000, mm-hmm. know, you're spending more on medical expenses now than you are on food. Yep. You know? and okay. it's, it's, it's pretty crazy to me. And the reason this is happening, Paul, is because of this whole game, the third-party payer system. Okay. And I'll tell you how this works. Like, Solidarity had a bill submitted um, for an emergency room. Uh, whatever, I remember's remember that heart attack and was in, went to the emergency room. The bill submitted to us was $74,000. And so we asked for a detailed analysis of that bill. We got it. We went through each item on that bill. Our computer system did in reference based prices to see what would be a fair and reasonable price. And we thought a fair and reasonable price would be $14,000. So they accepted that, that, uh, they accepted a payment from Solidarity for $14,000. Oh, wow. So that overinflation, that game that's being played right now, that's what's driving up the cost. And another classic example, not in healthcare, but you remember this from the 80s, Paul, when um, the Pentagon was paying for, you know, $3,000 for a hammer. Remember stuff yep. in stories like that? Or, yep. or uh, $8,000 for a toilet seat lid, you know? That's what happens when you have a third party paying for it. Okay. And so the solution, in my opinion, for the Church and for faithful Catholics— is a medical cost-sharing ministry like solidarity. Okay. Well, number one is you never, you never have to worry about violating your conscience. Number one. Uh, but number two is, um, solidarity will step in on your behalf and help negotiate a a fair and reasonable price between you and your, and your doctor, you and your provider. Okay. So when that happens, it's very transparent. The costs are down. So an example of that would be my family was paying $1,200 a month with a $6,000 deductible uh, before I switched to solidarity health share. Now I'm paying um, $449 per month and my annual unshared amount is $1,500 a year for my family. So look at the savings that I have for my family.
2: Yes. And if you're a family, it's cheaper. And if you're a single person who can't afford health insurance, it makes it affordable. Uh, to do something like solidarity, that, that's awesome, dude. We covered so much today. This is this is like I'm gonna have to go back and listen to this show and this podcast just to learn. I can't thank you, I know you're busy in DC uh, lobbying, but I can't thank you enough, Brad, for uh, for just coming on and uh, and and helping us out here, man.
1: Oh no, you're welcome. It's a, a privilege to be on your show, Paul.
2: All right, man. Well, have a good one, uh, and I'll t- hopefully next time I'll talk to you. Be back home in Phoenix, Arizona.
1: Okay, sir. Have a blessed day. All
2: right, you too, man. God bless. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity Healthcare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit solidarityhealthshare dot That's solidarityhealthshare.org. Welcome back to the show, Paul George here, sipping I w- sipping a little cavassier. What? No, not not really. that's, no. a, that's a joke. Ice tea. I would
0: be offended if you would do that in front of me and not tell me.
2: Do you know what cavassier is? I just like the word cavassier.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know what it is. It's very expensive. Is it? I've what never is. had any. Me neither. I've seen it. I've seen it advertised.
2: I mainly hear it in rap
0: songs. Well, it's because they're trying to boast at how they're able to buy only drink kavatier. very expensive okay. liquor.
2: So instead, I have iced tea. Yes, that's what I'm drinking.
0: But it's like the Cavatier of iced tea.
2: <laughs> no, it's just iced tea from <laughs> from good old American McDonald's. The Golden Arches. The Golden Arches. Yes, sir. So anyway, good to see you, man. You've been quiet over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would you learn on the show today? I learned that you
0: are very anti-fidget spinner.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. I just didn't know that about you. I mean, I mean it's not like it's they're not going to be allowed in my home type thing. It's not? Right. I'm not like that anima- animated right, so, about it. I'm just saying like, so I think they're completely and totally overrated.
0: So your teenage daughter comes home and says, hey, I got a guy I, w- I want you to meet. And he's really special to me. like, okay, bring him over. Yeah. And he walks in with a fidget spinner. Right. Do you think less of him because of that?
2: I probably think he, if he has a fidget spinner as a teenager, he probably plays video games, doesn't have a job. Yeah, he's not going to date my <laughs> daughter. <laughs> <laughs> what did you learn today? Uh, I learned that if you want to get me opinionated about something, just ask me if it's underrated, overrated.
0: Yeah, that was...
2: Like, I need a little spark. I need a, I need a little a little push, yeah. you know, in that direction. Actually, I learned a ton today. I, and I don't even know if I can, like, regurgitate how much I learned, but the interview with Brad, mm-hmm. I thought it was excellent, not the interview, but, like, the information. And just, you know, it's good for me. Like, as he's talking, I'm learning, you know, Heck, about yeah. an issue that I know is important, about something that I know the church thinks is important, but a lot of times it's like you read something, and you're like, I don't know what that means. So as he's talking, as he's communicating, I'm learning, right?
0: You're like a sponge.
2: Well, yeah. So anyway, great interview. Thanks, Brad, for, for coming on. Yes. So that's what I, I learned. We have rights. Yes. We have rights. And
0: it's right to have rights.
2: We have the right.
0: I have the right to have rights.
1: Yes.
2: Anyway, uh, how about the six-pack of questions? <laughs> Question. Question number one. So
0: he was in Washington, D.C. That's cool. Yeah. Have you been to (laughs) D.C.? All right. That's not the question, but you have?
2: I have. Okay. Here's the question. Wait. I got a story.
0: All right. Tell the story. So
2: I went to D.C. I brought my daughter. She was small. Um, Not small, but like, I I went to do some talks and she came with me. I rented a car, you know, because I was going to different places to give talks and stuff. We were there for about three days. and uh, you know, DC. I was living in a small town in in Louisiana. Uh, so DC is a little bit more uh, progressive in a sense of technology. You know where where it was in that day and time. Yada yada yada. When when I got home, my wife goes, "So, do you have fun in Washington DC?" I was like, "Yeah, we had a good time. You know, we went to visit some museums and stuff. When I went doing talks." She and she whips out. I had gotten like I don't know four or five of those tickets that you, Uh that they take Uh pictures of you. Uh (laughs) Because I was just driving through like places not knowing the speed limit or anything like that. It was pretty funny.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, I was like, what,
2: what happens in DC state?
0: (laughs) DC. Well, apparently not. It gets mailed to your wife.
2: Yes. Good thing, man. They should do that in Vegas. (laughs) Here's the lesson. You will always get caught.
0: It's just set up those kind of. It wasn't intentional. It
2: was just like, you know, there I am driving with my daughter next to me. It's like, push. Anyway, right. I hate those things. All right, question number 1. Okay, so what was
0: your favorite DC monument?
2: Favorite one. Yeah. Actually, I think my favorite thing that we visited was the theater where Abraham Lincoln got shot. It's kind of morbid, but okay. It is, but I love the history of it and I and I, you know, I thought, you know, Abraham Lincoln is probably one of the most if not the most iconic president. Yeah. And so just it wasn't just the theater, but it was learning all about his story. Yeah. So cool. uh, the other thing was we went to uh, George Washington's house. Um, I forget the name of it. Um, a- anyway, we went, we drove out there. It's beautiful out there. And it is my birthday.
0: <gasps> On your birthday.
2: Yeah. So I walk up, we go to pay, and the woman's like, oh my gosh, this is like hardly ever happened. So, so they I was let like, you in free. I was like, what? She's like, well, if it's your birthday and your name is George, what you get in free? This never happens. Was she joking? She was not joking. <gasps> so she goes to give me the ticket, and then she goes, "Oh wait, your last name's George. That
0: should count." That's what I said. Like, come on! It's even more important than your first name. I was like, it's "What your are the family odds? name?
2: What are the odds?" She's like, "It never happens." I was like, "Well, you can make it happen today." And she didn't. No. Dang it!
0: All right, question number two. So we brought up the Charlie Guard case, which is very scary for any parent when your child is fighting for sure. his or her life. Yeah. What's What's the scariest medical moment <clears throat> you had with your kids?
2: Oh, man, I don't even like to talk about them. You know, my third daughter was born early in emergency section in the middle of the night. That's scary. Yeah, that was scary because I couldn't talk to my wife. They wouldn't let me in. Uh, so I was in the middle of the hospital room hall. By myself. I didn't know I didn't know. So that was scary. Uh yeah. Oldest daughter totaled her, her car. That was fun. Mm. Uh thank thank God they were okay. Um but yeah, other than that we've been fairly, fairly lucky.
0: Yeah, it is it, it's incredible. I see these stories of parents that go through two years of a scary situation. And the most I've had is like Thirty minutes. Yeah, no. It's, it's bad. for
2: any parent. It's like panic, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Like it could be like a headache, and you just start thinking, "Oh God." You know, like yeah. it's just. I think every parent can relate to the, to that, and I can't imagine what Charlie's parents are dealing with. And I certainly think that we should all be praying for them and for every parent who's dealing with a situation like that.
0: Question number three. Yeah. Brad gave me one of my new favorite statistics: that seventy-five percent of the world's lawyers are in the U.S. And I think you that's know what?
2: Beautiful. Look at my shock face. Yeah. It's nothing, like seriously. It's beautiful. I think the town I grew up in, half the people were lawyers. <laughs> so my question for
0: you, have you ever thought about being a lawyer? Because you'd make a great one.
2: I, I did, but it wasn't till a late in life it was crisis. It too late. <laughs> it was like a late in life crisis. Like, you know you what I can do? You know what I can do? I can go be a lawyer. <laughs> and then it was too late. Probably a little too you late. You would be a good lawyer. I mean, I probably, it's probably never too late, but it's probably too late. Probably so. But yeah, I've thought about it. I thought about it. Has
0: anybody ever told you you'd be a good one before before this moment?
2: Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I come from a family of lawyers. Oh, I'm not surprised. You can't handle the truth. Not surprised. You cannot handle the truth. Question number four. Um,
0: So, with the Charlie Guard issue, but also pretty much every life issue today, it's highly politicized and charged. And it's difficult to follow actual facts from actual people yeah. and get whatever. So, how can people stay informed on all of these issues in a way that they don't get swept away in in all these like political fights? And like, how do you do it? How do you stay informed on all these things?
2: Uh, I try to find um, some websites that are reputable that are you know you know obviously are getting the right information. You know, so there are a couple of Catholic websites that when it's Topical issues like this, they're pretty spot on, at least giving you the information. So they're not making it up or, you know, trying to slant the issue. Like some of the media is trying to slant it. They're just giving the information.
0: Cool. That's
2: important. Yeah. So one is just Catholic News Agency, CNA. Uh, I know you look at that one. Oh, uh, yeah. All the time. uh, A lot. Uh, So, yeah. Cool. Question
0: number five. So it seems like among young people there's a trend to support policies that, like Brad was saying, kind of lead to this Charlie Gard issue. Right. Um, how, how, do we, how do we communicate what we just talked about amongst adults with Brad to young people because they start to tune out nuanced things. Like they don't have time for, let's examine this issue thoroughly. You know, they read everything face value. How do we how do we teach them the nuances?
2: Well, if it's free, it must be good. I think that's the culture. It's free, it must be good. And if it's free, it's right. You mm-hmm. know, and that's just not the case. I think, you know, what, what Brad was saying is that one of the things you need to think about is if it's free, you actually lose your rights. You know, so someone's making the decision for you because it's free. You know, uh, someone told me a lesson a long time ago. Nothing's free. Somebody's paying the cost for it. And a lot of times, if someone's paying the cost for it, there's strings attached. And so if government's paying for our health insurance and our expenses, they're gonna have strings attached to it. Uh, They're gonna have the rights to say what you can and can't do, and certainly feels good that it's free and everyone has the right, but just like he says, uh, you know, everyone can get health insurance or health care in this country. But like things like he's doing, they're keeping the cost way down and, and any individual can really afford what they're doing. Awesome. Question number six. Ooh. Last baby, one. I love the way. <laughs> oh, my god! Every day.
0: I don't even know what to it's do right now. It's an 80s song. Oh, I know uh, the song. Oh, you do? But I've never heard it sung so beautifully. Okay. So I'm, I'm captivated I don't know what to do. <laughs> Question number six. So as Catholic Americans, what's the difference between... America. Like getting along with people and having a good relationship and, and a good, meek, humble presence within society and also standing up for... You know, you know, like not taking things like crazy healthcare scenarios, the laws and the prices and everything. Like, how do we stay humble, happy Catholic Americans, but also get into that fight? Like, what are your thoughts on that?
2: Well, I don't know. Uh, Brad called it be a bulldog, but I don't. Th- I think when you're fighting for someone's life and your family, I mean, there's certain certain way that you do that. I think the best way honestly is just to be in dialogue with people. I think through dialogue a lot of you learn a lot of things and and you get to know the person, where they're coming from, why they're so heated about this argument and what their core beliefs are, whatever the case may be. It never works when when you're kind of just digging in and going back and forth, but really in a dialogue, we really I think we come to a place where we hear each other. And I think that's important for Catholics is to learn the information so that you can dialogue with people in a very loving, caring, and peaceful way. So anyway, great show, man. Thanks for all your help today. You're welcome. You're definitely, definitely you're underrated. oh Yeah. Yeah, you're underrated. Th- thanks to, to Brad Hahn. Uh, Great show today. You can find the show on podcast, paulgeorge.la, iTunes, Google Play, the whole deal. Share it it with other people. It would be nice for you to do So anyway, Paul George Show. Talk to you next week. God bless.